I'm sure you're into UFOs too. You know, it's the site of the Travis Walton. Oh, I didn't know that. Is it really? Okay. Yeah, I mean, somewhere, somewhere okay. in here. I'm, I'm in a little bit, but not enough to know that piece of trivia. And that is very interesting that it's in the same area as the Mogollon Monster. Thanks for coming back to Bigfoot Society, your weekly cryptozoology-focused podcast where I talk to a different individual in the cryptozoology field, authors, researchers, artists, all sorts of people. This week, we've got the privilege of talking to my new friend Josh Moss from PNW Bigfoot Maps. You've probably seen his amazing maps that have to do with Bigfoot on Instagram, Twitter, all sorts of different places. We talk about all, I mean, literally, it's me talking to Josh for an hour about his favorite maps and him telling me why they're his favorite maps. And I don't think he's ever done this on a podcast before. This one, I'm going to, if you're listening on iTunes, you got to listen, see this on YouTube because if not, you're going to be missing a ton. But um, thanks again for coming back to Bigfoot Society. Uh, if you're listening to this on iTunes, please uh, go ahead, subscribe to this uh, podcast and rate us five stars as it helps us get more into the podcast stratosphere and get uh, better guests on the show. Also, if you're on YouTube, do us a favor to like this video and subscribe to this channel. It doesn't cost a thing and it helps us get out there into the YouTube stratosphere as well. Uh, leave in the comments what your map of Josh's is your most favorite or perhaps what map you would like to see josh make next again thanks so much for listening to bigfoot society and enjoy this interview with josh moss from pnw bigfoot maps uh it's pretty rocking all right well thanks for coming back to the bigfoot society podcast i have a new friend here with me tonight mr josh moss how's it going Good. How are you? Doing well. And uh, listeners might know Josh from his uh, his different accounts online under uh, PNW Bigfoot Maps. Correct. Yep, that's me. That's awesome. Uh, he's the guy that makes the, the he takes the data and he takes the Bigfoot and he smushes it into a really fun map to look at and uh, educational. But let's start out, Josh, by uh, kind of sharing a little bit about you that you had sent over to me. Um, so some things we need to know about Josh. He's a geospatial scientist archaeologist that lives in Portland, Oregon. Uh, and a big fan of Bigfoot since he was a kid. Uh, he, Let's see. He's reflected on the fact that Bigfoot folks are always saying that scientists won't listen to him. So he figured that he could be the scientist uh, that uses his skill set with GIS to make uh, some cool state scale maps and I mean, they are all over the place. I'm, I'm a big fan of them. Uh, we'll talk about this later, but his maps offer uh, data such as black bear ranges, precipitation levels. Uh, you even have uh, one of my favorites is one where it's uh, the different ranges of, uh, I think it's Huckleberry, right, in Washington State? Yep, Evergreen Huckleberry. Which is very cool. That's a very cool one. Um, pretty much his goal is to uh, bring a scientific approach to Bigfoot research. Uh, we'll talk about some other things as well. He is through hiked the Appalachian Trail in 2007, and it sounds like you you get all over the place in uh, nature, the Cascades, the Olympics, uh, which is very very cool. So uh, yeah, let's get right into it, Josh. Uh, sounds good. I'm I always like to get a little bit uh, deeper. You, you mentioned you know you've been into the the Bigfoot stuff. Uh, when you were a kid, was there a certain thing that, that kicked that off as uh, when you were a little kid or how was that? Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, I think probably I saw some books about it and stuff, but the thing that really got me hooked, which I think is not like rare is, um, in search of with, with Leonard Nimoy. And, oh yeah, dude. Um, you know, based on my age, I saw it in rerun form, but, mm -hmm. um, really just fascinated me. And like, every time it came on, I, w I think I think it was on A and E at the time. Like yeah. I would be trying to catch the reruns, and you know I liked all the episodes. Um, you know they covered different subjects, but uh, Bigfoot was always my favorite, and just like had me glued to the TV. And also I would be, you know, kind of scared. 
Yeah, uh, I get it. Yeah. And um, so I think that, you know, that kind of fear, like, you know, Bigfoot could be real, could be hiding behind the next tree. I think that's part of the fascination of it. And the way they portrayed it on um, in search of just kind of got me hooked. So that's kind of the first like piece of Bigfoot media that really drew me in. Gotcha. So that's, that's you as a, as a, as a little kid and my experience is very similar. Uh, I was also a big fan of in search of the reruns on A&E of course, uh, cause the originals were a little bit too old for me, but yeah. um, that's pretty, pretty old. Yeah, exactly. Um, when was it though, that you started, uh, you started going out, you started getting a little bit more interested in Bigfoot. What was, what was the next step? Well, so my, my interest in it, you know, kind of like waxed and waned. Mm. Right. But, um, the, I kind of started doing this because, um, you know, I got this job or I started into this career path of using, uh, geographic information systems, you know, it's like sort of scientific mapping, displaying data on maps. And I was like sitting there at work and I was listening to a lot of Bigfoot podcasts while okay. I worked. Yeah. Cause you know, I kind of work, my work's kind of, uh, you know, I'm alone and working at a computer most of the time, or at least I was when I started out. And, um, a lot of time to listen to Bigfoot podcasts. And I was sitting there listening. I was like, you know, when you listen to a lot of uh, Bigfoot podcasts, you'll hear some of the same things over and over again, sort of mm. um, basically ideas or observations or assumptions that people have made about like how Bigfoots behave. Okay. And I was thinking to myself, well, I might have the tools at my hand to, to um, in a way, test some of these. Mm observations like um scientifically like to use a scientific method which is you know you have a hypothesis and you run an experiment which in my case is a, a data comparison experiment and then you can get a result to see you know how likely your hypothesis is mm -hmm. and so i was sort of collecting hypotheses <laughs> which i don't know if that's how you say right <laughs> um from bigfoot podcasts like an example of that, like if what I'm saying doesn't make sense, an example of that is like Bigfoot's stick to the waterways. Yeah. Sticks that's to like, the, that's the something yeah. you hear that repeated. Oh yeah. And I was like, well, I definitely have information. You know, I have access to information about waterways. Right. Mm. So if I was to be able to get access to data about Bigfoot, reports i could you know statistically try to test that hmm okay okay so it would be like an, an actual scientific experiment if i was to compare those two data points so you got your bigfoot reports and i could use uh you know uh wetland data from the national wetland inventory which is like oh, an wow. official yeah. Inventory from the government of where all the waterways and wetlands are in America. Right. Yeah. I could compare the two and see what percentage of Bigfoot reports are in a um, close proximity to these waterways. And if it's a high percentage, then that observation from, you know, Bigfoot field researchers or that sort of statement about Bigfoot's behavior, you know, is sort of backed up by actual data that is that to me is fascinating there has there been any uh just like mind-blowing realizations that you've you've uh come across from making these maps like you see the everything like the dots line up or anything that's just blown you away or well you know that's kind of why i use the the waterways example because i've made wow. a bunch of them and there's so many examples of that like things people say about bigfoot behavior you know, um, obviously they avoid people, uh, mm -hmm. or, you know, I'm trying to think of some others right now. Um, what are some, uh, what are some other things like that, that, that people kind of repeat about Bigfoot behavior? Um, yeah, mm, I gotcha. I am, uh, <laughs> you know, pe people will say like, oh, they might, you know, utilize, um, 
people's crop fields as food sources or people might say exactly that they hunt deer for instance so those are some others i've checked out right yeah but the reason i mentioned the waterways one first is because i i think it's the one that's come out with the best strongest correlation okay and so if you want to try this screen sharing thing yeah let's let's try it out live in (laughs) i did this last time with uh another guest and um it's always fun technology is the best to see if it works but we're gonna get give you good vibes for sure are we seeing it um oh actually hold on uh yeah it's see if i can bring it up on Ooh. okay i'm gonna add just oh there we yes. go there we go guys you need to be on uh youtube you should always be on youtube guys if, you know but this is gonna be awesome all right josh what are we looking at here this is cool so this is um Bigfoot sightings in Southeast Texas, which, you know, that's sort of the Sam Houston national forest, the, like the big thicket, which, Oh yeah. And I want to explain why I chose this area. Yes, please. For this particular like analysis. And that's because this is the area of the legend of boggy Creek, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. The, the boggy classic, the classic movie. It would have been just, you know, over here, just a little bit more east, right? Okay, gotcha. And that's one of the sources, I think, of the idea that Bigfoot's stick to the waterways is that story, the stories from The Legend of Boggy Creek. Yeah. And so that's why I chose this area. And as you can see, I I displayed all the Bigfoot reports that I have in my database. And um, I don't know how well this is going to show up to people on YouTube, but red ones are within uh, or red ones. Sorry. Red ones are farther than a quarter of a mile from a wetland. Oh, interesting. And blue ones are within a quarter of a mile of a wetland now. And that's a very small tolerance. Like you think an animal, the size of a Bigfoot has a pretty big range. So I went tight with this, like just a quarter of a mile from a wetland to run the numbers and now if you don't mind me leaving the map for a second go for it oops whatever you'd like to do (laughs) um i have the uh numbers here so of the 80 sightings in southeast texas 64 occurred within a quarter mile of a wetland 80 percent. so that yeah i I like to show this map because it's the best percentage I've like gotten doing this. You proved that they're sticking to the near the waterways. That's crazy, man. You know, there's a couple caveats to that because, okay. uh, you know, and I feel like as a scientist, I kind of have to mention stuff like this. I gotcha. Um, these are reports. So mm-hmm. they aren't, you know, a tagged Bigfoot. Exactly. So in that sense, it's not pr- proof of, anything but it is a correlation that you know if say every one of these reports was true like a a, an actual bigfoot report then it definitely would prove that they favor wetlands and waterways as their habitats Mm. wow fascinating that is absolutely fascinating so yeah so that's like kind of I, i like to show this one a lot because it just has that kind of eye-popping 80% correlation. And I like it because it's kind of a tribute to Boggy Creek, which is like such a great movie and classic Bigfoot thing. I mean, everyone knows Boggy Creek for sure. Yeah. Hmm. Thank you for sharing sharing that one. That was awesome. Um, Do you have any other ones that you would be able to to share or? Yeah. So I I wanted to share uh, one that I, definitely haven't i made since i've been on any other podcast i think so okay. i wanted to share this one nice and now this is a map Ooh. of the mogollon yeah. Rim in arizona oh cool dude i love this and i really like this one just because I, I ended up liking just the way this one looks and the mogollon rim i don't know if you've ever been there but it's a really really beautiful place mm. really cool area 
you know, Pinion and Juniper Forest, and um, right. I'm I'm blanking on the name of the pine trees. Uh, Ponderosa pine trees. Ah, uh, yeah, you got it. Yep. Yeah, and uh, just a beautiful place. And you know, I'm sure you're into UFOs too. You know, it's the site of the Travis Walton. Abduction. Oh, I didn't know that. Is it really? Okay. Yeah, I mean, somewhere, somewhere okay. in here. I'm I'm in a little bit, but not enough to know that piece of trivia. And that is very interesting that it's in the same area as the Mogion monster. Yes, very wow. much so. So somewhere oh, in here, man. right? Yeah. Is right. where that took place. Okay. But I like this one because this one, um, I did some statistics with this one to kind of show like what it means to have like a concentration mm. based on numbers. So I, I can explain that. Okay. I close the map for a second. Sure. So there's 102 total reports in my database in the state of Arizona. Okay. 39 of them occur on the Mogollon Rim. Mm. 38%. Wow. And 63 of them occur elsewhere. Okay. 61%. So it's like 60-40. Mm-hmm. 40% on the rim. But the total area of Arizona is on roughly 115,000 square miles. Okay. The area of the Mogollon Rim is only 7,000 square miles, 6% of the state. So what I'm saying is within 6% of the state, 40% of the reports. That's crazy. So that's what it means to have a hotspot, you know, mathematically speaking. Sure. Oh man, wild. That is so wild. So that's why I kind of like this one. And and just because it's a cool area. I did some archaeology up here uh, when I was in college and it was it was fun. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I um I haven't been there, but like uh, you know, uh I don't know if you've seen the series uh that came out uh Chasing Legends where um they they actually went to the Mogion Rim to look for the Mogion monster. And it looks like a, a just a beautiful area, you know. It is. Wow. That is cool. So did you say you have your own database for, for Bigfoot reports or where are you getting your information from usually? Oh, you know what? I'll share a screen on that too, because it, okay, is, not, cool. it is not my database. Okay. Um, I want to, I want to give credit where credit's due, right? Because uh, I did not make the database and that's a lot of work. It, it is a lot of work to do stuff like that. Yeah. So <laughs> I would imagine. It's cool that, oh, I'm sorry. I stepped on you there a little bit. Oh, you're good. It's cool that we can share screens because I feel like I can really go through this. Okay. So this is the database, Mangani's Bigfoot Maps. Okay. And I want to give a little more credit. Um, I wouldn't have found this. Uh, Cliff Barachman told mm. me about this website. Okay, cool. And I have to say, I just really appreciate that he even gave me the time of day because, you know, he's kind of celebrity in this world, if not even just a celebrity in general. He's got a lot going on for sure. And he answered my email and was like, here's a database you could use to try to do that. And he even gave me a couple um, ideas like I was talking about before, like the behavior ideas to test. So I just really appreciated that him doing that. So yeah, this website is where I got my points and you can see they have them all through North America, basically. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I like to explain this, that these points are sourced from all these different organizations. So I'm not going to go through and name them all, but you know, obviously the BFRO is a big contributor, but you've got the Texas Bigfoot research conservancy. You've got the Virginia Bigfoot research organization and, and you know, more, I I think it's 14 different organizations that contributed points. One lacking thing with this database is, it does have um, dates on a lot of them, which is cool. But that allowed me to find out that it stops at 2016. Oh, okay. so Interesting. When, I, when I'm when I'm doing these things, you know, there's there's probably a lot of sightings in the past that would be six years. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that could change the outcomes of some of these an- analyses. And then there's another chance for me to shout someone out is um, Bigfoot Mapping Project, which yes. is you know you know him so i think on instagram it's just at bigfoot mapping project he's on next week 
I'm, oh, cool. interview- I'm literally cool. interviewing him next week. So I'm excited to talk to both of you guys one after the other. You know, he kind of uh, harnesses a different aspect of GIS yep. than I do. Okay. Although okay. he's done some analysis stuff like I do. He has done something I don't do at all with this, which is he's um, harnessed sort of the crowdsourcing yes, and definitely. online um, interactive aspects of GIS mm. to allow people to submit their reports as like map points. Okay. Um, yep. Through an app that he made, uh, you know, that I think you can download on your phone. I mean, he'll tell you about it. Anyway, I always like to mention him because he's like the other person I see in the Bigfoot world, like really using this technology. And he does he does a thing that I haven't even done with this. Uh, I actually do that kind of stuff at work, but I haven't done it with the uh, Bigfoot stuff. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the, the, I have that app on my phone. It's, it's very fun uh, to see. Uh, there's some very interesting user submitted reports. So everyone, I think it's a few bucks, but it's dev. If you're into the Bigfoot stuff, it is definitely worth going without coffee for a day. Like, it <laughs> you know, is so much worth it. I, I agree. You know, I always like to, I don't like to be, you know, I feel like some Bigfooters are like territorial and I like to be the opposite. You know, I always like to just shout out anybody who's totally doing something cool or, you know, anything like that. I like to spread the word. So have, have, I'm curious about uh, your maps. Um, have people started to, to use them in certain ways or um, is it a thing where you make them available for people to use and um, like on their websites or, or has there been any like collaboration with that that's come out of this? There has. So a, a, a number of them, if not all of them now are on the forest floor website. Oh, cool. Yeah. And- she used to have those um, like Patreon only, mm-hmm. but I think she's opened it up. Yeah, she has. Yep. So a, a number of my maps, um, if not all of them, I want to say I gave her like all the files um, are there in the full high res versions. Cause you know, oh, I only, okay. I only post them on Twitter and Instagram and, and obviously they're, they're crunched. Um, Cause I usually export like, 5,000 by 8,000 pixel images. And so that's like what you could see on the forest floor website. If you want to check those out. Okay. And yeah, you know, they're available. Like people have asked me for different copies or um, different information. And I always try to help out. So I think the answer to that's yes. Nice. Nice. Um, So what I'm getting is if you want to, uh, get josh's play-by-play on the maps you probably want to follow him on twitter if you want to see the full the full layout high res then you need to check out uh emily's website uh forest floor which you should definitely be there anyways because it's pretty awesome uh she does a great great job um have you i would man it would be cool if someday you could collaborate with North American Bigfoot Center. That would be rocking. Yeah, I'd love to. You know, I did. I gave. Yeah. Oh. So I went there. Like, I think the picture you used on my. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, that but that was before they opened. I, I just I thought maybe they'd be open and they weren't open yet that day. Oh, OK. So I just took a picture. Uh, but yep. Yep. I went later and, and Connor, one of the employees there, yeah. showed me around and I gave him all of the maps on a. Uh, thumb drive oh cool so you know i'm basically the maps are i'm not anything i'm keeping back from from anybody you know nice nice and i i guess uh when you i'm sorry i don't mean i don't i don't want to be like rolling on too too oh, much no, no, go <laughs> okay. go right ahead if it gets if it gets to a point i'll uh i'll i'll uh reel back in but i'd say let's go for it man well I was going to say, cause you mentioned collaboration and there's another, yeah. uh, fella out there working in the Bigfoot world, like with hard data, I would say. And that's, um, and I bet you're going to know this fella too, uh, Squatcher metrics. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, Wes. Guy. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And so he and I collaborated, uh, a couple times, actually, I want to say that, that evergreen 
Huckleberry map you okay. mentioned. So the the sightings on that are not from this database. They're from Wes's database. Interesting. Okay. So, so that was a collaboration with him. But this uh, was a collaboration with him, and it's the bear maps. So mm. where I compared um, Bigfoot reports to bear range in the state of Colorado, which is, I think, a great Bigfoot state. And I haven't visited Colorado enough. I'd like to spend more time there. Um, so the first one is just, and remember, these are um, Wes's Bigfoot points, not the ones from that okay. website I just showed. Gotcha. So all credit to him. He's a great sort of data scientist and Bigfoot researcher. Um, this, it, all the red ones here, are within black bear range and mm. the two yellow ones are out. Right. And I've always loved this one because that's a huge correlation. Mm -hmm. You know, that's close to a hundred percent. Yeah. And I, I feel like this says something very interesting. You know, people sometimes think, well, like data can only say one thing, right? Like if you, if you've got numbers, you've got a conclusion and it can't, it's not open to interpretation, but that's just not true. And this map is a, like a really good example of that because if you're prone to Bigfoot skepticism, you look at this and you say, Oh, well this proves my point. All Bigfoot reports are just people seeing bears. <laughs> right. <laughs> but if you're prone to belief in Bigfoot, mm -hmm. you look at this and say, well, this proves my point. This makes a lot of sense because if you know Bigfoots would have very similar feeding patterns and behavior patterns to black bears, mm, right, right. If and they would necessarily be accessing the same food resources. Exactly. Yeah, that's a, the exact thought I had. Yeah, if there's food source for one, there's food source for the other. That's genius. They would have you. You would think that if a Bigfoot-like animal was able to survive, it would have to uh, avail itself of an omnivorous. Mm -hmm. diet much like a, a black bear so what i'm saying here though is this map is like a a, a rorschach test oh yeah dude totally it is it's, it's pure data it's a yep. pure it's a pure comparison of two sets of data but what it means is all about what preconceptions you bring to it i love that that is oh man that's that's good dude yeah so that's kind of why I love to show this one. And I just, I love bears too. They're like, Oh yeah. You know, I mean, that's not rare. Everybody thinks bears are cute, but um, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of them. So I did like to do the comparison and yeah, I thought that was cool. But so I did some other seasonal things though. Okay. So I got summer Bigfoot sightings oh. and summer bear concentrations. And mm. as you can see, it's like, a little bit of a different story. There's, there's more Bigfoots that are avoiding the same spots as bears oh, during the summer. Yeah. But you know, there, there's so many ways to interpret why that could be right. Why this looks this way, because every one of these points represents a, a person, right? Because it's a report. So a person and a Bigfoot had to meet. I took that from that's that's a good point. That is I took that point. from Cliff, yeah. by the way. I heard him say that. Like that, yeah. on some All on right. some show, he said, you know, for a report to happen, a Bigfoot and a person have to meet. Yeah. And so you think summer, everyone's out here. Bears are avoiding where people are. Mm. Yep. So yep. you know, that's one explanation. And and so I love the bear maps because they just kind of reinforce to me the the concept that even uh you know quote unquote hard hard numbers hard data can mean different things to two different people exactly and you know fall falls kind of the same as summer the hmm. correlation kind of goes away and Oh, this is within the human conflict zones. So this one isn't What's seasonal. That mean? So 
human conflict zones are something that like the forest service or whatever agency, I, I believe this is data from the forest service. Okay. Um, mapped areas where humans and bears run into each other. Oh, okay. Often. Gotcha. So that's interesting. So in essence, it's places where people report seeing bears a lot. Ah, makes sense. Yep. And you'll notice that, you know, so if you, it's, this one's kind of cool because if you took away every red point mm -hmm. and said, that's a bear because yeah. it's in a place where people often see bears, right? You still have a lot of yellow points. Mm -hmm. So this one's cool too. I thought this whole, it's a four map set and you know, cause there was four different types of bear information. So I thought that was a pretty cool one. That is really cool. Uh, that's very smart to do the different seasons for sure. I love that. Uh, make a cool poster. Have you ever thought of making these into posters? You know, um, yeah, I mean, I kind of have like you could definitely okay. there was somebody who approached me about it and I was like, you know, I'll send you a high res file and you can um because I didn't really have like any kind of thing set up for that. Right. So, so so one person asked me about it and I was like, I'll just send you a high res file and you can either have a website printed out or okay. if yeah. you have a nice printer, you know, I don't really have a nice printer. Um and I hadn't like made, I'm sure there's some website I could go to like that would produce posters of any image. Right. Oh, there's gotta be. Yeah. I just, yeah. I haven't looked into it, but right. gotcha. there, you know, it's something like if a bunch of people had asked, I would have looked into it, but um, really right. only there's one, one time I can remember somebody asking about that. Have you ever made maps that uh, apply to different cryptids besides Bigfoot? Yeah. Um, yes. Have? Okay. Yes. Interesting. I've done alien or I've done UFO. Oh, ones. cool. Have you done? Oh, have you done the chestnut Ridge in Pennsylvania? Yeah. Yeah. You have. Oh my yeah. God. You know, and, yeah. um, if you want to, if you will bear with me, I can, I'll bear with you. you. I'll bear with you. Yep. Um, Cause that would be wild. Okay. So, and of course another, uh, shout out, you know, small town monsters oh for sure this the, map if best. i can find it right it, it was very much inspired by those guys okay because their movie um about the chestnut ridge really leaned on the idea of bigfoots and ufos together exactly seems like that's kind of a chestnut ridge theme mm -hmm. so here i will it's i'll find this i swear all right no <laughs> i just gotta go through the twitter swear. feed here. because i think it would be very cool to see a map representation of bigfoot sightings in correlation to ufo sightings especially in that area so because the, i have two favorite diy paranormal movie making crews right mm -hmm. and i'm sure you can probably guess i'm guessing stm is Probably. Small town monsters, and then yep. you know, Hellier. Oh, yeah, yeah, the New Kirks, cool, yeah, yeah. So, yep, I made um Bigfoot maps, or I made Bigfoot and alien comparison maps of Pennsylvania and Kentucky. Oh, that is one, cool. one for each. That is okay. So, here's the okay, Kentucky yeah, yeah. one, nice, but I, I want to find the Pennsylvania. Okay, here it is. Oh, okay, here we go. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was totally worth it. Yeah, and it's pretty cool because so here in South, weirdly, they're kind of like centered around Pittsburgh. But yeah, if I, th I think the, um, well, you know, the UFO sightings aren't as mm -hmm. nature specific as Bigfoot sightings, right? Right. So the UFO sightings are the little targets. Okay. Bigfoot sightings are the little dots. And ones that were within a mile of each other, or Bigfoot sightings that were within a mile of a UFO sighting are the big green dots. Mm, interesting. Oh, even up in the Northeast, there's one. Yeah. Interesting. Down by Harrisburg too, in the Amish area. But you can see that. I think this is Chestnut Ridge right here. Yeah. Down in that area. I'm pretty sure that's what we're looking at is. Yep. Definitely. You can see how dense the Bigfoot sightings are kind yeah. of in this area. 
And then you can see you got a couple UFO and Bigfoot sightings together along this western edge of the Appalachians there. That's wild. Oh, that is cool. I love I love how you thought to do that. Oh, that is really cool. Well, you know, inspired by these cool documentaries. Uh hmm. I'll 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 true, put up the true. uh Kentucky one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Totally. Okay, so we got Bigfoot Bigfoot sightings within 1 mile of UFO sighting. And that's the yellow dots. Yeah. And, and the UFOs are the white targets. You know what you know what I didn't do on this map and this is like kind of a map maker's foul mm-hmm. is I didn't put any location like I didn't put any roads or towns except I put a star for Somerset because this map was inspired by Hellier. <laughs> right. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny. So I don't know like I don't know off the top of my head what's right here where there's kind of yeah. a where there's two of these right together there's two of them right together here hmm. oh and here's hellier oh, okay and look there's that's one wild. of them right next to hellier oh that's dude that's wild oh you it's, got i wonder if uh the new kirks have seen this map that would be so cool i believe that i i think that one of them might have retweeted it or something because yeah, it has a 34 likes which is a lot for my account nice nice um question for you so the i'm guessing is some kind of software you're using to make this is this like uh is this stuff that uh you know someone off the street could start using themselves or is this a, a pretty high-end thing you're using or well the kind of yes and no there is okay. open source software that does this okay you know? cool. yeah so you could uh, the learning curve's kind of high. Okay. It's not real obvious how to use the software. You know mm, what I mean? I got you. Um, do you do you use like a a DAW digital audio workstation to like mix your um like, podcasts? Yeah. yeah uh, yes. Uh, yep. Yep. So I would say it's you know a because li- I I know how to use those too. Mm-hmm. I would and I would say like. I think about them in comparison a lot because okay. really all it is is like arranging data so that it all comes together and exports in a certain way. Makes so, sense. So if you think about it on a zoomed out level, it's the same idea. But I would say that the GIS software is, you know, a bit more complicated to use than like logic or something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah, because logic, logic can get a little wild by itself. So. <laughs> yeah it's yeah. pretty it's pretty complicated okay. um, software you know i i uh not to boast or whatever but i do have like a master's degree in just that if you have that you should that should be a thing that you like that's not boasting that's that had to be hard to get that so can congrats for you man that's that's very cool thanks you know i, I don't like to i only mention it because just by way of like trying to explain how deep you can go with it i gotcha i gotcha um so going back to the open source thing for let's say if there's someone listening to this and they're like i'd still kind of want to mess around with it are there any that you could recommend that they look into or no, i i 100 encourage that right okay yeah, yeah and like with this website here let me I'm, i was gonna so with this website okay now some of this stuff you can do just with google earth so oh, sure. Google Earth is kind of can be a starting point. You can mess around. Okay. But if you want to go deep, here's I'll bring it right up. I love that we're yeah. sharing screens. Yeah. It's, it's just a thing you. Uh, so I usually don't listen to uh, I listen to interviews after I interview the guest. If that makes sense. I don't like listening to a lot of interviews that my future guests have been on already because I don't know if that makes sense. It's just a weird interview thing I do. I, I like to have the first impression face to face, right? Totally. Um, do you do this on a lot of other podcasts where you're like screen sharing and stuff? Or I've screen shared on one of them, I think, but it did okay. not go this smoothly. Oh, cool. Well, so this, this is, is great. <laughs> this is cool. Cool, cool. Okay, QGIS. Yep. So it's just QGIS.org, and 
download now. This is open source software. Oh, nice. And with this and this, you can pretty much do what you could replicate what I've done, which wow, I, I like that because, you know, that's a key part of the scientific method is that if you do an experiment, it can be done in the exact same way and produce the exact same result. Yeah, dude, totally. That has to happen. Like you have to be able to re reproduce it. Yeah. That's awesome. Every one of these things I've done with this and this mm -hmm. and the know-how you could do yeah. that. So I'm going to have this episode is going to have plenty of links for resources. This is going to be awesome. Do you think, is there like an equivalent of, you know how you said there's different Bigfoot databases. Do you think there's one for dog? Like, could you do this with dogman site, dogman sightings? That would be interesting. I don't know if there's a database like that out there, but. You know, I don't, I don't know. You definitely could. I would definitely yeah. be, I would love to actually make a dogman versus Bigfoot map because to be honest with you, I haven't made a map in, in a while. Cause I kind of ran out of ideas and, and, That's uh, it. dog man compared with Bigfoot would be so cool. That would be real. Oh man. Like see if they're, if they have, um, if they're in the same territory or maybe they have different territories, like you could see so, so much with that. I think. Yeah. I think it would be like the UFO ones, but better somehow oh yeah hey have you done a thing where um i'm sure you could use maps at different times of the year to like maybe prove if there's migration involved with bigfoot yeah yeah definitely have done that okay cool and i don't know how conclusive it was but i'd love to show it yeah let's let's do if it you can bear with my scrolling for a minute for sure well so <laughs> i did that with the huckleberry okay right? okay now, where's that Huckleberry map? Let's see. Oh, here it is. Yep. All right. So I'll show you the version with the Huckleberry. So here it is in fall, right? Nice. We're looking at and the Olympic Peninsula, looks like. My legend, uh, another map maker's foul, my legend did not print out correctly. As you can see it yeah. doesn't have the symbols in it. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Which that aggravates me because I'm mm. a bit of a perfectionist. You live and learn, right? But the yellows are within one mile of a Huckleberry area or oh, in it. Oh, interesting. And the blues are out of it, farther than a mile. Okay. And so it's 20. So in fall, it's 20 within, 38 out of huckleberry hmm. so then you can go to spring okay in spring it's 10 in 32 huh. out wow but let's see that's and so that's you know say bigfoot are moving they're moving away from the huckleberry in spring mm -hmm. summer we got 26 in 38 out wow so in summer, they might be using it like a little bit more, going towards it a little bit more. But also, there's just more sightings in summer, so this might not be meaningful. We might be looking at a pretty steady general rate of Huckleberry proximity. Okay. That's awesome. And then in winter, we've got 14 in, 25 out. So... Wow. That's that one. And, you know, I don't know what that says about migration, but talking to different researchers, you know, about migration. So I, I bring my archaeological background into this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Go for it. There's something that archaeologists think that, um, and it's pretty well established that, you know, groups of people that are on the level, uh, sort of societal level of organization of hunter gatherer they do something called the seasonal round so they don't migrate from point a to point b right but as the season progresses each year they move with um they follow the food source they're going to use in different seasons makes sense yeah and i think that based on what we know about 
apes that we know for a fact are real. Mm-hmm. And what we know about, you know, the food sources in the sort of more wild, um, remote parts of America that are kind of remote enough that something like this would potentially be there, that, that a seasonal round behavior might make sense if these uh, creatures mm. were real. And you could kind of make an analogy with people that were, you know, from the distant past. Gotcha. That that were, you know, prior to agriculture. And how they moved about the landscape in the rhythm of the seasons to um, access seasonal food sources. Yeah, that that definitely makes more sense than uh, they're just traveling from point A to point B. Yeah, I think so. You know, because we don't see. I mean, we do see mammals that do that. I believe, like mm-hmm. whales. I think, like make these huge. But you know, those are ocean-born mammals. So I, f- I'm not a biologist, <laughs> but I feel <laughs> like it's a you know, and you know, birds do this kind of point A to point B thing, but. You, you more hear about large mammals having a territory from my knowledge. I don't like to speak on biological topics like I'm some kind of expert because that's not my, not my, uh, I would, I feel like I'd be talking out of my, you know what. <laughs> right. But there is a point from all of this that I really, before I forget it, I really, it just came into my mind real quick. And that is. What Josh did is really cool because instead of him just listening to content and doing, he's thinking outside the box saying, Hey, I've got these skills. I can use my skills to make the community even better. And to that, I say hats off to you. But if you're, let's say I'm talking to a listener right now, if you're a listener out there and you've got some amazing set of skills that you think can make the Bigfoot community uh, rocking and get, like info that we're not seeing contact me at bigfoot society at gmail.com and like, let me know because I would love to talk to you. And maybe you'd like, maybe you'll be the new, you know, Josh with PNW Bigfoot maps, but you'll be doing something completely different. I, you know, I want to hear about it. So that's just like my, my little plug there, but what do we got here, Josh? Oh, so this is the um, general migration map without. Uh, okay. It's, it's, wow. um, much more of the state of Washington. Okay. And, um, it's, uh, my database, not Squatchometrics West's. Gotcha. Now this suffers from the fact that a lot of the points are unknown what Mm. season they were in. So Uh. all the red points, right. As I move through the series, the red points are going to stay in the same place because, we don't know what season they were in just wasn't recorded with the sighting, I guess, or didn't make its way to the database. But I think there was some interesting, just if you, if I scroll through these visually, I think there's some interesting trends. So this is fall. Okay. And in fall, and what I, what I think is interesting to look at is the coast here. Sure. And some of the high elevations, right? Yeah. So in fall, you know, you got a couple high elevations here, which I believe this is Mount St. Helens. Okay. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. And which, you know, classic Bigfoot place. Oh yeah. You you got crazy stories from down there. No doubt. No doubt. So here we have spring and notice that some of these mountaintops in spring, are kind of abandoned and less on the coast in spring than in fall. Mm. Summer notice the density up high. This this is the interesting thing to me. High elevation areas in summer have a lot more sightings and that speaks to, well, it could, so this is that whole, it could be one thing or the other thing because it could just be there's more people true up on the mountains yep. in the summer. But it, then again, yep. well, especially Mount St. Helens, because it's not really a ski mountain. 
or is it? No, it's not. It's not like a ski resort mountain, right? I'm gonna. I'm going to uh, defer that to you because I'm. I should know because I go up there all the time, but I'm not a skier. Yeah, so I I don't pay attention to where the ski resorts are. Gotcha. Anyway, it's not like Mount Hood. Okay. Yeah, Mount Hood, big time ski area. Yeah. Anyway, so it could just be. Oh, there's a lot more people up here, but it could be that sure during the summer, the Bigfoots go up here to harvest some type of food that's up high, like berries that are blooming up, up high. Mm. And then you go to winter oh, yeah. and look at the high elevations are wow, very sparse. Yep. So I, I thought the migration maps were pretty cool for some of those sort of visually... Now, I didn't run any numbers on that, like statistics, because, you know, it was, I would have had to been like, okay, here's a space around Mount St. Helens, and how many miles is that, and how many are within and without. I didn't go to that whole uh, distance on this one, but I think if you just scroll through them visually, like, keep, if you, viewers, right, keep your eye on Mount St. Helens. Right. Winter. Yeah. Summer. Like, mm-hmm. I think you can really see and like, look up here too, in, in the North Cascades. Crazy. How much sparser that gets in winter versus summer. Wow. And again, it could just be explained by the fact that fewer people go out here in winter, mm-hmm. but you know, I would like, you know, Washingtonians and Oregonians are all season outdoors people too you know these are popular places in the winter as well man i feel like if you were a bigfoot researcher in washington that these maps would be super helpful to you and probably would um just i mean i would be making all sorts of changes in my research base like this is some wild stuff but a lot of people Tons of people kept asking me about something like this. Really? And then I was like, I better try to, I better Definitely. try to do it. It's, it's a, actually a fairly, there's other ways to approach it, like how to show potential migration. And this is just the way I came up with basically, cause I don't have more spare time to go gotcha. mm, try to do it a better way. Oh man. There should be a, uh, Speaking of other cryptids, it would be cool if there was a map of like the uh, the uh, Lake Michigan Mothman, the Chicago Mothman sightings that are all around like uh, Illinois and Wisconsin and stuff. That'd be wild. But Bigfoot Bigfoot maps is probably kind of a full time job. I'm thinking uh, you you're doing some great work in this. This is awesome. Well, the thing about like so that brings up uh, an interesting point to me is that you know most of my maps are on the state scale right and so a map of mothman sightings would be on the scale of like a city true you could do you could focus in on chicago um because if you did the the whole country you know you'd have some in chicago some in west virginia yep and did you say there was another one um, well, the, the, uh, the Lake Michigan Mothman, the Chicago moth, that would be around like the Chicago area. Yeah. So to get a good, you know, analysis, you'd want to focus on Chicago with that. Right. Yep. So I, I've made very few maps at that small of a scale, but uh, I did make I one so. of Portland. Oh, cool. Oh yeah. That is Portland. Nice. Or Portland's like over here because this is. And I thought this one was pretty cool. And what I did with this one is I was trying to assess if there's enough um, of the right kind of cover Mm. for a Bigfoot to potentially travel. Like this is something that, that if I was doing this, like with a biologist, it's called a least cost path analysis. And, um, do it to make sure that different animals have continuous habitats. So like for animals to survive, you, you can't have their habitats be little islands, right? They need 
habitable land land between so that they can have different areas. So that's basically what I did here is because like, so here you've got, you're starting to get to the cascades, right? Okay. So I made a map of, I took out a bunch of land cover classes and I left barren land, deciduous forest, wetlands, evergreen forest, herbaceous, which is like grasslands, Mm -hmm. mixed forests, shrub scrub and woody wetlands. So I left all those in and I wanted to see, you know, how hard would it be for Bigfoot to stay within one of those land classes trying to get all the way to the middle? Oh, oh, yeah. Right. Yep. I get it. And, uh, it'd be a challenge. Yeah, that would be, it'd get interesting at points. But you've got a couple sightings, like here you've got a sighting just west of the interstate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you've got a sighting here past the interstate. Dang. Another one somehow right on the interstate. That one's probably questionable. (laughs) You know what I mean? I mean, you know, dude, I, I don't know. I mean, it's crazy that Bigfoot is, there's so many Bigfoot out there. Like people, Cliff was just talking on uh, his podcast about how like people see like sightings like right off the highway. But yeah, it kind of blows my mind too. Like, you know, living in Iowa, but. His uh, shop is somewhere right around. Oh, right here. Okay. So that's where boring is. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. You might not be able to see it on the screen share, but it does say boring right here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. There's a big concentration right down here, right? Yeah, so there is. If there was, you know, Bigfoot's hanging out just east of the city, mm. this map at kind of a city scale is about, well, do they have the, what what I guess to be the proper type of land to make it closer to human populations? And wow. I think in a lot of ways they do. Yeah, I mean, it's it There's seems like it's doable. Yeah. Man, that is crazy. Josh, this has been like, I had, I'll be honest, I had something planned for this episode and it turned into something way cooler than I ever could have hoped for. So like, this is, this has, this is probably one of my favorite episodes, to be honest. Oh, really? Well, 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 thank you. Just being able to look over someone's shoulder who really knows what they're doing and their craft with Bigfoot and maps. And like, it's very cool. So I I appreciate you coming on and, uh, and hanging out. Um, it's crazy to think we're already at the end of the hour and it feels like we just started. Um, it, it really did go by fast. It went by fast, but like, I think people can get a lot of info from it. And if you're listening to this on iTunes, you need to go over to the YouTube page because keep in mind the entire hour pretty much is there's stuff on the screen at Josh's point is stuff on maps. You need to look at it on YouTube, but Josh, how are, how can people best keep up to date with, uh, with what you're doing with the maps and uh, all that good stuff. Um, YouTube or Instagram is kind of where my presence is. Uh, and it's at PNW Bigfoot maps on both. Awesome. Uh, I, unfortunately I haven't been super active lately. I've just been like really busy with other things. So I, I'm really glad you had me on and I, I'm sorry if I over steamrolled your <laughs> no, I... for the episode. <laughs> Um, I wasn't gutsy enough to ask you to do it. So I'm glad it happened out like this. Well, can I ask what it was? <laughs> uh, what, what was your, your original concept for the episode? Oh, I had, I had the, some questions planned, but it was, um, uh, pretty much, uh, my main focus was going to be getting, getting you to show some of the maps and this is better than what I could have hoped for. So thank oh, you. Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad yeah. to hear it. And, you know, I just appreciate when anyone will like listen to me ramble. Oh yeah. So thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. It's been a good time, Josh, for sure. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for listening to the Bigfoot society podcast. Please take a few minutes to review the show on iTunes five stars as it does help us get into the eyes and ears of more listeners on iTunes. Uh, That will help us just get bigger and bigger and get even better quality guests for future shows. Uh, Also, if you have any Bigfoot encounters or cryptid encounters, please send your stories and uh, audio and photos, whatever you've got, over to BigfootSociety at gmail.com. 
If you'd like to become more involved with Bigfoot Society and get some extra content, we do have a Patreon uh, where you can get all sorts of cool things. For example, for $7 a month, you get extra Bigfoot Society content, uh, usually interviews, but other things as well. You get a sweet membership card and a vinyl sticker that I send to you in the mail. You get access to the Bigfoot Society After Show, which is an extra interview after the main interview with the weekly guest. And usually they are up for uh, Patreon members to be in that extra show segment with them and me. And you get to ask your uh, question live to them and get an answer from the guest, which as you've seen what guests we've had in the past, this could be a really big deal. There's also a private Discord where you can get involved with uh, talking to me one-on-one and the community there, and that's always a great time. You can find the Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash the Bigfoot Society. We're very thankful for all our supporters that we have in so many different ways and appreciate uh, all our listeners coming back week after week to listen to more cryptozoology-based interviews. Uh, Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Bigfoot Society. Any content provided by our guests are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone. Thank you.